So everyone, this morning, I need you to do a fa- ma- I need a favor of you this morning. If you would take out your cell phone or your smartphone out of your pocket, take it out right now, take it out and put it over your head, raise it up. I, there's not enough cell phones out. I know you guys have more <laughs> cell phones out there. All right, if you, if you don't have a cell phone with you, but if you have it at home, raise your hand for me. There it is. That's what I'm looking for. Okay. All right, now put them down. All right. Now, everyone, hold up your smartphone or raise your hand if you have a smartphone. If you like the idea, experience, or benefits of love. Raise up your smartphone, raise your hand if you like the idea, experience, or benefits of love. There's not a lot of people that like love out there. Come on, guys. <laughs> love is good. All right. Put them down. Now, everyone, hold up your smartphone if you like the idea, experience, or benefit of obedience in your own life. Uh, all right, all right. <laughs> hold up your cell phone if you're lying. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> now, friends, think about how often you impulsively check your phone. Perhaps you get a phantom buzz or, and pull your phone out. Maybe you just impulsively check Instagram, Facebook. Oh, who, who, who's liked my post today? Maybe as you had your cell phone out, you got a notification and you're distracted right now. <laughs> now, we usually don't like the word obedience, but what if obedience is simply giving yourself to something or someone you love? You obey it because you desire it, or you get something from it. You enjoy it. So let me ask you this. How much do you obey your smartphone? (laughs) How much do you obey your smartphone? (laughs) And if we think about obedience in this way, we we might begin to realize how how many things we actually love and obey in a day-to-day, in-and-out kind of way. So, friends, we obey, we love zoning out after a long day of work, so we obey the TV screen or the computer screen or Netflix. We love shopping, so we obey the call to the outlet malls. We love to simultaneously eat a lot and be skinny, so we gorge ourselves and follow a diet program religiously. We love working and making money, so we obey the call to work, sometimes the neglect of other things. We love the adventure of hunting or fishing or being out on a boat on a day like this, so we obey the call to it above other things. As Anglican theologian Rod Whitaker said, our pattern of obedience reveals what we actually truly love. Ouch. And friends, we, we, I think this morning you can admit that we all love and obey many things. Why? Why do we obey and love other things? Because, friends, deep down, we all want to belong, we all want love, and we all want purpose. We all want to obey something that gives us significance. So I'm not wanting to say that smartphones are evil though we should examine why and how we use our smartphones. But what the smartphone shows us is that Jesus saying, love me and keep my word, isn't something totally foreign to us. We actually love and keep the word of many things. What he is saying this morning is, love me and keep my word above everything else. 
He's saying we should have one love, one purpose that overrides and orders all the rest. But we don't because, (laughs) frankly, we don't like being told what to do. We try to find belonging on our own terms. We try to dictate and control what we obey for our own pleasure and good. We are kind of like Israel of old. We obey and love many things, scattering our love and obedience abroad to anything that will take us, hoping that they will fulfill our deepest longings for love and purpose. In Israel, these were idols. For us, it seems like anything can fulfill that whole. But friends, Jesus is different in this. He isn't scattered like us. Unlike the rest of us, Jesus only had one love and one purpose and one person he obeyed, the Father. He knew where he belonged, and he knew what he was supposed to do, and he loved doing it. So friends, in our passage, our gospel passage this morning, Jesus shows us his loving and obedient relationship with his Father and invites us into that relationship so that we can have the life he lived, a life of love and joyful obedience. So if you're following along this morning in in the gospel passage in John 14, the first thing we need to see from our passage is that Jesus loves and obeys the Father and is loved by the Father. And we, we catch a glimpse of this in verse 31. Jesus is finishing up this part of the, this discourse, and he says, Jesus says that he does what his Father commands and obeys his Father so that the world will see how much he loves the Father. In this instance, Jesus is specifically referring to his death and resurrection, where Jesus will glorify his Father, by saving the world, saving us. But earlier in John's gospel, Jesus says everything he does is the will, at the will and the command of his Father. He says in John 5, 17, my Father is working until now, and I am working, implying that everything that the Father is doing, he's doing right there with him. What the Father does, he does. What the Father says and wills, he does. Jesus expresses his love. Jesus shows the Father how much he loves him. By doing the Father's will. And the Father expresses his love for the Son by taking pleasure in him and delighting in him. And friends, Jesus' love for the Father is singular. Now, Christians talk about having an audience of one. If, If we're honest, we have lots of people we would like to impress, like to get acceptance from. But Jesus really did. He really did have an audience of one. We catch a glimpse of the Father's pleasure and joy in his Son in Scripture at several moments in in Scripture. At his baptism and his transfiguration, for instance, we hear God the Father say to his Son, You are my beloved Son. These glimpses are, are given to us in Scripture because, friends, if we were able to catch a full vision of the Father's love for his Son and the Son's love for the Father, we would be undone by that beauty. Not because, just because of its intensity and its perfection, but because of its eternality as well. Because the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father from eternity on. It's John, Jesus says in John 17, 24, You loved me before the creation of the world. 
So friends, from eternity and to eternity, God the Father has loved God the Son, and together they love the Holy Spirit. And this love is perfect, extravagant, radiant. And this is why Scripture says that God is love. This eternal life of joy, of delight, and pleasure that is God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amazingly, beyond our grasp, is not something that God keeps to himself. God opens this love up out of his goodness, out of his love, his perfection. God created the world and saved humanity so that we could have this love as well. And this is the second thing we learn about Jesus' love for the Father. He wants to share it with us. As we see in our gospel passage today, the Father and the Son will make their home with those who love and obey Jesus. And the Father and Son will send the Holy Spirit to his disciples. These realities point us to the fact that while Jesus' love, Jesus's love for the Father is singular, it's singular, it is also expansive. So an illustration of this. As many of you know, Lindsay and my wife uh, are expecting our second child. Uh, we're going to have a, a baby girl at the end of September, um, and we're just super excited. And you all have seen our, our first child. Uh, thank you. So when we, when we had Marin, we instantly fell for her. If you've seen her, you can understand why. She's amazing. Um, we love her so much. In that, when we first had our child, our love, my love for Lindsay and Lindsay's love for me, expanded to love Marin unconditionally. But now we're adding another. And frankly, it's, om- it's hard to grasp, it's hard to imagine that our love could yet again expand for another. I know that I'm not the only one that's felt this. I think it's a pretty natural feeling for, for anyone who's had kids to just feel like, how could I love another one? But you do. It, it happens. It's, it's a, almost a miracle. Love expands. It welcomes in. It makes room. It's... Now, many of us have experienced this in one way or another. Maybe it's not even with family or, or with children. Maybe it's with friends. Maybe all of a sudden you've just, you can't help but love another person. We, ex- we experience this expanding of love, and it, it's natural, and it points us to something supernatural, to the supernatural love of God. See, friends, God's love expands, and it, it welcomes in. It, it makes room. But it does something else. It, it heals and and cleanses, and it it realigns. Through Christ's death and resurrection on the cross, all the stuff that is unlovable, all the unloving things we've done, all the shame, our defilement, our rebellion, our pride, our anger, all these things that make true love and obedience impossible are forgiven and healed. God's love expands and heals and restores. And friends, that is something my love just cannot do. That is something that your love cannot do. God's love makes room and makes all things new. And this is good news for us. For us who love so many things, who obey so many things, who are so scattered and divided, God's love heals our loving and gives us a singular purpose. And friends, this is good news. I don't know about for you, but at least it's good news for me. Because even on a good day, I am a broken, selfish lover. On my best days, I'm messy. 
I don't love well. I have too many loves and I obey too many things. So I need my love and obedience to be aligned to God. I need the love of God to expand around me and realign me to his love, to his purpose, to his goodness. And friends, as I experience, and I I imagine some of you have experienced this, as I experience and receive the love of God, I'm daily made new. My love expands beyond what is natural, beyond just what is natural in my family, to love those who are hard to love, to love others. As God realigns my love and my obedience to him, excuse me, as God realigns my love, my obedience to him grows. The more I come to love him, the more I want to obey him. We are made capable of true love, supernatural love and obedience because of God's infinite prior love for us and his active love in us. But you might wonder, how do we receive that love? How do we enter into that sphere of love, into the expansion of God's love? Friends, we've seen that the triune God is love, that he shares love with us, but how do we receive How are we changed? Friends, simply put, by repenting and believing in Jesus as our Lord and Savior and receiving the gift of adoption through the Holy Spirit. We are adopted into the family of God when we believe in Christ. This is how theologian J.I. Packer describes the gift of adoption. The adopted status of believers means that in and through Christ, God loves them as he loves his only begotten son and will share with them all the glories that is in Christ now. Friends, did you hear that? God the Father loves them as he loves his only begotten son. When you believe in Christ, when you are in that relationship, the love, the infinite love that the Father has for his beloved son is what he gives you. Imagine that. Grasp that. And friends, unlike human adoption, which is beautiful and amazing, my younger sister is adopted, there's still familial differences in adoption. But unlike that adoption, unlike human adoption, the adoption that we receive in Christ means that we grow in our relationship with Jesus, and the more we do, we gain family resemblance. The more we love Jesus and do his word, the more we look like, the more we sound like, the more we act like, love like, our older brother. The Holy Spirit transfigures us into little radiant images of our loving and beloved brother, Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian this morning, this is who you are. This is where you are. You are in Christ. This is where you belong. This is where your love is oriented. This is where you joyfully obey. what does it look like? Does finding belonging and purpose in Jesus really work? Not everybody thinks it does. And I think it's important for us to wrestle with that. Maybe you're doubting this morning that that love does work. Is it really worth giving up my independence and my desire to dictate what I obey and what I love? Is it worth it? I could tell you until you're blue in the face or until I'm blue in the face that it is. 
But friends, it's kind of like telling someone that it would be good for their mental, spiritual, and physical well-being to spend less time on their smartphones. You can tell someone until they're blue in the face that the smartphone isn't the best thing for you, but they're not going to stop until they get a vision for a different way of living. And it's kind of the same with Jesus. You can have the knowledge of it being wrong for us, having a cell phone, uh, spending an inordinate amount of time on your cell phone being wrong, but unless you change your desires, you won't change. So let's catch a vision of what life in Christ can look like, of what it is to be apart from Christ, and then what it is to be in Christ, through a story. This is the story of Jonathan Jarks. So Jonathan never thought about becoming a Christian, never crossed his mind. He wasn't raised in the church and grew up thinking that, as a quote, religion was merely lingering superstitions from primitive times. He spent the first 25 years of his life doing whatever he wanted. This is how he describes it. I I thought I could do whatever I wanted as long as I wasn't hurting anyone. I partied, I drank, I did drugs, I I looked for fulfillment in other people. None of it made me happy. I wasn't content no matter what I did, but I kept doing it anyway. Now, friends, we we need need to identify something. Jonathan was looking for belonging and purpose. And in doing so, he submitted himself to all sorts of things to find it. He loved and obeyed many things. One day he went to dinner with a co-worker who was a Christian. And he saw there was something different about their life. It wasn't weird or anything. But he saw a contrast between his life and their life. It was kind of like night and day difference. They didn't go and get messed up on the weekends. They went and helped people. They went to church. Their life was oriented differently. So he was, he was curious and went to church a few times, but nothing really stuck. And even after he did some exploring, he, he went and did some research about Christianity, about faith, about religion, and, and discovered that it's actually not just primitive and unscientific. There's real good reasons to believe in Christianity. It's intellectually plausible, he said. But that didn't change his heart. He still loved and obeyed other things. But one night, on uh, New Year's Eve one year, uh, Jonathan went to an electric dance music concert, uh, EDM, for those who are hip and in the know. Uh, Not me. I had to look it up. (laughs) At the uh, concert, there was a DJ with a turntable and large screens projecting videos that synced with the music. That's it. It's a DJ, big screens, lots of dancing. And on the screen was, was the image of the mask from the famous comic book and movie V for Vendetta. I don't expect everybody to know what that is, but needless to say, it's a foreboding and dark image. Well, Jonathan was high on ecstasy and started a party. And was watching people, and, and then something happened. I'm going to just quote from what he said. As I watched the audience dance under the watchful eye of the V for Vendetta mask, everything fell into place. The scales fell off my eyes. This was worship. This was worship. We were worshiping a demon. We think we are so much more advanced than the people of ancient Babylon, but they were doing the exact same things. 
I felt something like a, a surge of lightning go through my body. I realized that just because I had never experienced the, God of, the presence of God before didn't mean that other people hadn't. There was some, really no other way to describe what happened. For Jonathan, he, he realized that if, if people could worship something other than God, then perhaps people also could worship the true God. He realized that his life, what he loved and obeyed, were oriented towards death. What he worshipped only brought him discontent and unfulfillment. So after the party, he called up his coworker and started going to church. And slowly, his life began to change. As he grew in his love for Jesus, so did his obedience. This is how he describes the change. I never understood the importance of identity before becoming a Christian. I had spent my life searching for meaning in a million different places. School, career, girls, popularity, money. I got my identity through what other people thought of me, it was ne- which made me incredibly insecure. I was haunted by a fear that I was never good enough. I struggled with anxiety and depression and used drugs and alcohol as an escape. Does anybody identify with this story? Friends, he continues, about nine months after my conversion, I was praying for a friend struggling through a breakup. I told him that his identity didn't come from a woman and that his life had meaning whether he was in a relationship or not. All of a sudden, I realized I was talking to myself. I didn't, it didn't matter whether I had a successful career, a wife, kids, or a lot of money. None of these things defined who I was. My identity came from Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. Jonathan discovered that because God loved him, he could love God. God became his goal, and in loving God, he learned to obey God. Not begrudgingly, but joyfully. True love and obedience are found in the beautiful, amazing, extravagant love of God. God loves you so much. And he wants you to experience his love and his purpose for you. This morning, I I hope we've seen at least one important thing. As we look at how we interact with our smartphones, as we consider my faltering attempts at love, as we heard about Jonathan's experience at the EDM concert, we all obey and love something. So I have a question. Why not obey and love the God who truly loves you and gave his life for you? Friends, have you caught the vision? Have you tasted God's love this morning? Have you caught a glimpse of the love that is infinitely delightful and joyful? The love that invites, welcomes, and heals our twisted and broken love and obedience. We are all invited to this marriage supper of the Lamb. Will you accept the invitation? Everyone, everyone is invited. If you are not in Christ, Christ is here this morning, inviting you home to the place where you have belonging and purpose. 
if you are in Christ this morning. Christ stands before you and with you and in you. And he's calling you to the abundant life of loving obedience. Where in life is he calling you specifically to be more obedient? Think about it, friends. Don't passively consume what I'm saying. Think about where he is calling you in his love to more obedience. Don't leave this church today without answering this question. Friends, today and every day, let us behold our Savior's face and love and obey him above all else. Let us behold him and be changed from glory to glory. Amen. Abba, Father, we praise you and thank you for your love. We thank you that we are brought into the infinite love of the Father in your Son through the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill us up with your love and help us to obey. Thank you that you give us good works to do, to obey you in, Lord. Give us clarity of thought and vision. Help us to know what you're calling us to do and do it in love and care. Lord, thank you that you do not leave us but you come to us to make your home in us. Fill us up more, Lord. More of you, we pray. Amen.